Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Chris McDaniel, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in the smaller studio today... Jason Morris, mom. And? Joe Manis. The studio may be small, but the topics are big. The topics are big. We're recording this on a Tuesday, which means that we are exactly one week out from the August 5th primary. And just as a quick programming note, we're going to temporarily take a hiatus from guests until after the August primary. For now, you're stuck with us, basically. Yes, so we can dive deep into the issues. And if we are seven days out from the primary, that means that that is less than eight, which means that we've had the eight-day campaign finance Many, 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 many. <laughs> Joe, what did, what did you find? I know you wrote a story about okay, it. Okay, yes. Uh, actually, a couple stories. But uh, the eight-day reports, which are filed by the candidates and the campaigns for anybody who's on the August 5th ballot... And those are the last major reports that you're going to see. The only thing you'll see after that are the little tiny things if somebody puts in big money, which is what Steve Stanger did uh, shortly after filing his eight-day report when he put $100,000 of his own money into his campaign, which is separate from the money figures that were shown. The money figures without Stanger's 100 grand showed that that Dooley, St. Louis County Executive Charlie Dooley, who is fighting against Steve Stinger for his political life in the Democratic primary, that Dooley reported about 263000 on hand. Now, this is going into the final week. Uh, the assumption is that that will be used for ads and field operations. And Stinger only had 123000 Now, the main reason is because Stinger had outspent Dooley almost two to one in July on TV ads. So St- Stinger had spent a huge amount on uh, on TV ads, he spent five hundred, almost five hundred thirty thousand, just in July. That's a lot of peach pies on That's TV it, yeah. ads, and compared to about three hundred eighty thousand for Dooley. Now, as I yeah. mentioned, those totals do not include the hundred grand that Stinger put it put in his campaign after that. So now they're roughly similar. Going now, does Dooley's uh, cash on hand include the fifty thousand dollar large donation that he received, or was that after? The reporting deadline. Yeah, and this is a little in, intriguing here. Dooley's total does include the 50000 that he was given Friday by wealthy retired financier Rex Singfeld, who is the largest donor in the state. Who has given to Dooley in the past repeatedly. Yeah, I've counted $300,000 since 2010. Correct. Yeah. In fact, I, I put that in, although who knows, but yes, but I'm um, that Dooley or his, I mean, I'm sorry, Sinkfeld or his wife has put in over 300000 to mm-hmm. Dooley since but it has been a 2009. While. The last uh, major sum was actually Gene Sinkfeld gave Dooley 100000 earlier this year. Oh, okay. So, so there was so, one so, so it's like 150000 just this year that the Sinkfeld family has given Dooley. Now, the Sink, Rex Sinkfeld also gave hundred grand to Republican Rick Stream. It was the same day, but Stream didn't report it until Sunday. And Stream's report does not include the hundred thousand, so you have to add that to Stream's total. Mm-hmm. And so Dooley gave him a hundred thousand. Stream believes that it's because uh, I'm sorry, Singfield gave Stream a hundred thousand. Stream thinks it's because Singfield wants to have better government 
Uh, but some believe that Sinkfield's just hedging his bets, that he wants to help Dooley, but just in case, he wants to make sure he's on the good side of Rick Stream. Well, a want, practice that he has employed. Well, I want to ask a quick question. Do you think that there's been as much outcry over the fact that the two most powerful leaders of St. Louis, Charlie Dooley and Mayor Slay, have received so much money from Rex Sinkfeld compared to the amount of ire that Democratic groups have thrust toward Republican legislators? I... I think it was more of an issue in the mayoral campaign. I'm not hearing about it as much as as I did during the mayoral I mean, I think there's kind of a double standard, to be honest. Among Democratic activists. I I really do. And, And, of course, he's giving plenty to... Democratic gubernatorial candidate Chris Coster, yeah. and I and I just I just wanted to throw out the question because I think the governor just made a huge speech today about how Sinkfeld is so influential within the legislature and mm-hmm. on education policy, and I you know it obviously I his, think it, I obviously think his correct. obviously his role is state and not county or city, but I haven't seen nearly as much outcry from you know the usual suspects that criticize Rex to those two people, maybe from Stanger or Reed, although Reed took money from Sinkfeld way back in the day. But I just thought I'd throw that out there. Well, I think I think it is interesting because we sort of know what his issues are on the state level, you know, in the legislature, Correct. what he's angling Correct. for. But, you know, with him becoming uh, active on the St. Louis regional level, you know, it sort of begs the question of what are his big issues? I mean, is it the city reentering the county? What is it? Probably, well, yes. But but it's intriguing because Stream, who was on St. Louis on the Air earlier today, made clear that he is opposed exactly. to any reentry and opposed to any talk of merger. On, I mean, the main talk is on reentry, that the city would just be another mu- which, municipality. Which but re-entry, Stream, re-entry uh, is, is a merger. Uh, in my opinion. Well, it's a little different because no, you keep he, the municipal structure. That's huh? true, but you would merge the county government, county government, the county elected offices. Like the treasurer would cease to exist and the recorder of deeds would cease to exist and they would probably be taken over by the county. Correct. So that is, to, for all intents and purposes, a merger. I mean, basically the the, the city's county offices, because the city is a county. Yes. Basically, yeah. so the county operations within the city would the, cease. The county of St. Louis City. I've and, had to explain that to some people outside of the city. And, and, and that, that aforementioned explanation is kind of the idea of, of Terry Jones, who's very well versed in the subject, who basically considers any sort of reentry or consolidation a merger. Yeah, now he's a professor, University of Missouri no, St. Louis. But we're getting a little off track. Let's kind of get back but, to the numbers. But, but first, let, okay, yes, a couple key things have happened. Uh, Stream launched his first and only ad today. Uh, Dooley and Stinger launched some new ads attacking each other, but it basically is on old ground. But Stream's ad, which uh, on the surface uh, you think is just promoting himself, although he does, it does make reference to, quote, corruption. It shows him sweeping the, the words corruption off his porch. But he acknowledged in an interview I had with him right after the St. Louis on the air interview that actually the ad is aimed at Republican voters, that there is rising concern among Republicans, including himself, that a number of Republican voters in St. Louis County are going to take or, or, or already have taken Democratic ballots and either voting for Stinger or Dooley. He said his ad was to make clear to them that he was a viable candidate. He said he believes he can beat Dooley or Stinger, and he doesn't want them voting for either one 
in the primary. He said he's getting calls from some people who say they're going to vote for Dooley because they think Dooley would be a weaker candidate. He's got some who think that maybe Stinger would be uh, Stinger. He blames Stinger in part because Stinger has been mailing flyers and Stream said he actually got one at yes. his house. So, so he believes that uh, Stinger is targeting Republicans. Now, Stanger isn't hiding it. Stanger says he's targeting anybody who he thinks might vote for him. And Stream is from Kirkwood, which is sort of moderate Republican land. So mm-hmm. in some ways you could kind of see Stream pulling this. But this is fascinating because while there's always concern or discussion of crossover, there's a wide belief, this is maybe before your time, but that uh, Freeman Bosley Jr., who was, when he was mayor, was tossed out uh, lost after one term because of the crossover in 1997 uh, in favor of Clarence Harmon, who was then the police chief and who was running. And the Democrats were openly encouraging, Democrats who were for Harmon were openly encouraging that. And then the Republicans allegedly switched allegiances and went for Mayor well, Slay it's, it's, four, it's, four years later. It's a different kind yes. of reality in St. Louis City. In my neighborhood of St. Louis Hills, I would assume that there's a great deal amount of Republicans that live there that vote Democratic because they're smart enough to know that if they pulled a Republican ballot on city offices, they're essentially throwing their vote away. It's a different dynamic in St. Louis County because, as I'm sure you know, there are parts of the county where there are actually races where Republicans can win and do win. Especially either for, for a legislature. Either for the legislature or in some cases the county council, like the 7th district where Greg Quinn is retiring or Colleen Wassinger's district, we, right. although she's unopposed this year. So it, it will be kind of interesting to see if that crossover dynamic, which I think has been going on in the city for years, if not decades, kind of rears its head in that race. And I think Stream might be concerned that if enough votes – that would have gone to him, go to Stanger or, or Dooley, then maybe there won't be enough votes for him to outmaneuver Green Park Alderman Tony Pesosa, who obviously has less money than Stream and is not getting the endorsement of a lot of the establishment Republicans. And I don't say that derisively, but, you know, has been campaigning for a long time and has its own his own constituency. So. Do you think that that should be a real concern of Stream's, though? Well, he said he told me I asked him about this. Yeah. He said that he that his supporters, many of whom were prominent Republicans, were telling him not to worry about it. He mm-hmm. said he said this on the record, telling him not to worry about it. But he said, well, he felt that you always had to worry about something like that. Uh, he was reasonably confident they had a good chance on Tuesday, but he but there was always that 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 prospect. And to be fair to Pasusa, I've had a number of Republicans and Democrats saying that that guy is campaigning everywhere, going door to door. He's legitimately campaigning. Doing a lot of retail stuff because he doesn't have a lot of money. His latest campaign report showed him with only with less than 6,000 in the bank. Right. So, I mean, I don't know if he's going to pull pull it off. I mean, I don't want to make any predictions. I will say, though, that in the scenario where Stanger wins the county executive's office and his and Stanger's seat becomes vacant, there is some thought that Pasusa, who has or Pesosa, who has run for that seat before, may be a reasonably good candidate to potentially win that seat for the Republicans because Stanger, they may not be able to get another candidate like Stanger to run for that seat because how many other Democrats from South County are going to self-fund, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars to win a county council seat? 
Yeah, Can't now, think of many. So he had knocked off a, re- a Republican in two thousand eight. So even if uh, Campisi, even mm-hmm. if Pesosa ends up losing this primary, under certain circumstances, it might have benefited him down the road. And obviously, if he wins the primary, it's a whole other story. Name name recognition. In fact, you've got some Democrats who are even saying that about Stream. They're saying that win or lose. Stream could be in a strong position to run for the state Senate for Eric Schmidt's seat when Eric Schmidt uh, is term limited out in 2016 and runs for state treasurer. Mm-hmm. They're saying even if Stream is unsuccessful for county executive. And I'm not saying that he will. I mean, many people think that Stream is probably the strongest Republican candidate that the GOP has had for county executive in a couple decades. Yeah. But if the, the point is Stream has options, win or lose. Well, let's move on to another high-profile large donation, uh, but this time away from the St. Louis County Executive race, this this time for the state legislature, Joe. Yes. One of, the, one of the interesting things is that while technically the governor, Jay Nixon, is head of the Democratic Party, and this is always true, whoever's governor runs his party, Nixon has never been that much hands-on. Now, he would dole out enough money to keep the lights on, at the state Democratic Party, but never put huge amounts in. Part of it is because he was running for re-election himself, and after term limits, I mean, I'm sorry, after campaign donation limits were tossed out in 2008, that weakened state parties on both sides because candidates then felt they could take the big donations themselves and they could keep them for themselves rather than having the big donations go to the state parties and the state party was doling out the money. So that said... um, U.S. Senator Claire McCaskill, who for the last year has been very upfront about her taking more uh, role in state party activities, gave $240,000, wrote a huge check last Friday night at a fundraiser she had for the state Democratic Party at her house in Kirkwood. Now, that makes her the largest individual donor to the state Democratic Party. She is surpassing now (laughs) – Attorney General Chris Coster, who had been the top donor in the party because he'd given $200,000 in $200,000 chunks, and is he's running for governor and is widely believed to be trying to exert his influence within the party and basically controlling a lot of the party operations, especially if he's successful in 2016. So he and McCaskill are friends, so the assumption is that they're not like becoming rivals in this, who puts in the most money. But it does show that Costa and McCaskill are calling the shots, Yeah, and not I think, the governor. I think, you know, regardless of whether this money is successful or not of electing more legislative candidates, I do think Costa and McCaskill do deserve some credit for being consistent because both of them were talking about how the party needed to get more serious about electing mm-hmm. Democrats to the legislature. And they've put actual money behind it either from their campaigns or presumably, I guess we haven't figured out exactly for sure, but McCaskill's check, I think, is a personal uh, donation. I have not been able to confirm that. While she's listed with her home address, it's unclear. I mean, her her office has not been able to verify if it's from her own money or from her campaign. The point is they're putting their money where their mouth is. And I don't think that either one can be blamed anymore if the Democrats fall short of their legislative goals because they have probably gone above and beyond what most Democratic leaders have. Obviously, you know, it's been talked about many times how the governor has been a little bit less generous when it comes to sharing than the two. I think he has given money to the party, but he hasn't really given nearly to the amount as the other two. And 
I think that's been a source of friction. And I think that there are both sides. There are two sides to whether he was right or wrong in that. But at least now, if if the Democrats do better in the legislative contest than people expected, then, you know, a lot of credit needs to go to Coster McCaskill. Well, because, see, what the governor has done most months, and I'm not I mean, this is before his reelection. He would only give out enough, like four or five thousand a month. You would see sent over there to basically pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. And I, but but with that said, um, you know, the the road for the Democrats back to the legislature is a tough one. I mean, even this year, um, we've talked about many times about how even if they knock off the the Republican nominee in the twenty fourth district, that could potentially be canceled out by the 10th district, likely or possibly going Republican. Now, it remains to be seen whether some of this money will go to candidates like Ed Schieffer, whose fundraising has frankly not been very good compared to Jeff Rorda or Jill Shoup, or whether it might go to someone like uh, Bob Stuber in St. Joseph, who's running against Rob Schaff, um, or it might be going to a lot of House candidates as well. We'll, we'll have to see where this money goes. That's kind of what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, because Roy, Roy Temple, who's the uh, Democratic Party chairman, former operative uh, in the Capitol 20 years ago, uh, I predict that Roy is going to be looking at pouring this money into races they think they can win, which means that Jeff Rorta and Jeff Coe could see a decent amount going there because there's a lot of people who think that the rorta Wheeland race for the state Senate seat in Jefferson County is going to be huge, and there's going to be tons of money poured in from both parties into that. So some of this money may end up there. Do we think that uh, a fair amount of this will be going to the Shoop seat? Well, I'm not entirely sure she may – it depends. It depends on how much – She does have a fair amount of money. That was what I was going to say. And Rorta has a good amount of money on hand too. I think Rorta and Shoop deserve credit for themselves – Shoop got a lot from Coster, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. for being proactive and being good fundraisers and putting themselves in a position where they can have the resources to win without this money. Um, the other two candidates I mentioned, Stuber and, and Schieffer, um, Stuber's obviously a first-time candidate, so I think that he's kind of at a disadvantage when he's going up against an incumbent like Rob Schaff, who's never lost an election and is usually won by a pretty large amount. But Schieffer, who I think is seen as a good candidate because he's more conservative and it might fit the district more. His fundraising has simply just not been on pace with Jeannie Riddle. And if there's any person that probably needs this money, it might be him. But I'm not sure if they're going to target that race if they don't think they can pull it off. Exactly. We'll have to see. Exactly. I think Temple, I talked to him a couple months ago about this. He's being very careful about which races they're targeting and which races they don't. Because they do want to husband their resources because the Democrats don't have the huge donors the Republicans do. You know, it's really funny that we're talking about this. And I just saw that the Missouri Democratic Party, we have answered a little bit of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, they just gave $13,600 to the committee to elect Bill Otto. Bill Otto, my grandpa's state representative. Believe it or not, there is there are parts of Chesterfield which are represented by Democrats, and Bill Otto is one of those people. So only two hundred and twenty thousand left to figure out where that's going. <laughs> well, go. actually, they raised over three hundred thousand at yeah. that fundraiser, and thirty thousand of it came from Jay Cummell, the electrician. Oh, yes. from yep. St. Louis, who is the uh, House, House Minority, Minority Leader, and also now the number two guy in the state AFL. So again, it's not two hundred and forty thousand, but. 
it's all it's a pretty decent amount of money. So again, if they do better than expected, Hummel probably deserves a bit of credit for that as well. So now let's get to the races that uh, everybody's been waiting for. We've been <laughs> recording for about twenty Sarcasm. minutes here, and everyone has just been waiting. With bated breath. With bated breath for us to talk about the recorder of Deeds race. Let's get down to it. In the city of St. Louis. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, well. Yeah. Where do we begin here? <laughs> well, okay, okay the, the, the bottom line is Jennifer Florida, who had been the 15th Ward Alderman and who was named by the mayor a couple weeks ago as the new recorder of Deeds after a longtime incumbent, Sharon Carpenter, who I've known for ages, who had held the office for 34 years, was forced to step down because she apparently violated the state law regarding nepotism because she had hired her great-nephew a couple of summers to work in the office. Yes. I, I, I interviewed her today, and she agrees. I mean, she admits to it. Um, it was about it was $12,000 that she paid to her great-nephew. Over three summers. Over three summers. Um, it came down to um, her misinterpretation of the Missouri Constitution, whether or not a great nephew was within four degrees of, of family for the nepotism laws. But here's the intrigue is because yes. Sharon Carpenter <laughs> remains, where it gets odd. remains yeah. on the Democratic ballot f- on the primary. The mayor is still sticking by her. Because I guess they're longtime allies. In fact, I think that yes. Carpenter used to be his babysitter. Yes, correct. Yes. Correct. And see, she was the committee woman for his home ward. For ages, when he and lived in the twenty third, she still is. She he, still well, is the committee woman. Well, he didn't live. My point. He doesn't live yeah, in the twenty third anymore. In the 12th. That that that's why. But my point being is, when he lived in the twenty third, mm-hmm. uh, she was his committee woman, and his father was the committeeman. That said, that the mayor is not saying if he's going to be endorsing her in November, assuming she gets through the primary, and this is where it gets uh, intrigue because Florida was asked by the mayor, to accept the nomination, I mean, his, I'm sorry, his appointment as the new recorder of deeds. She fills out the the remaining six months of Carpenter's term, and now that she has filed the the amount of signatures necessary to be an independent on the November ballot, there's a lot of talk that the governor, that the mayor will switch his allegiance to Florida in November. And and Florida and, and Carpenter, they both agree that they're friends and would consider each other allies. This yes. is going to be something of a weird well, situation. And we should also point out that, uh, you know, Carpenter has to advance to the general yes, election. She's running against uh, Ed McFarland, who yeah. I think a lot of members of the black political community are rallying around. Yes. I, I think Tashara Jones is, is backing him and a bunch of other people as well. And our, our good friend Jimmy Matthews is also running in that yes. race. But, and, yeah, M- M- McFallon's from a political family as well. Yeah, I believe his mother was an alderman yes. or yeah. alderwoman. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to make that distinction. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard for me to get excited about this race. Um, I've already recorded my deed in St. Louis City and gotten my marriage license. So this office personally is no use to me anymore. But... Obviously, the political intrigue is kind of interesting, I would say. Well, I played a key role a couple of weeks ago when the mayor performed yeah, some same-sex exactly. marriages. It was the recorder of deeds who had to file these marriages and go back to another county, uh, a certain— Are we talking Franklin County? <laughs> Franklin County State Senator Brian Nieves, who has been on our show yes, and, and was a great guest. 
Nieves is running for recorder of deeds there, and he has promised that if he's elected recorder of deeds, he will not. I, I do have to he ask He will not this. give any licenses out for same-sex I do have to bring this up, though, because there has been a lot of argumentations from people like Vervis Jones, the former comptroller, that Carpenter's downfall is getting a lot different reception from people than the downfalls of African-American politicians. And I bring that up because one of the people that I think either used to work in the office or works there now, Mary Selesky, who's the seventh ward committee woman, has pretty much written a signed blog post saying that Carpenter used the resources of her office, phones, printers, fax machines, computers, staff, labor, postage, and stationery for political purposes for the last three and a half years. And I mention this because I rem- I was actually looking through the Post-Dispatch archives, and there were a number of articles written about Vervis Jones using stationery, including like an editorial and how much he got criticized for that. And I haven't seen nearly the level of outrage leveled at her. So do you think that maybe some of the complaints that there's a double standard of the way people have been you know, reacting to this compared to maybe the downfalls of of other politicians? Well, I think there's been a number of jabs similar about not showing up for work and other things that have been jabbed Smoking at... Smoking while in office. At, at, at numerous yeah. uh, holders of the city of St. Louis's so-called county offices. Yes. Now, now the comptroller is not a county office. That's the one Vervis Jones held. And Vervis Jones did not lose the post over using stationery. No. He lost the post over um, other issues that had nothing to do yeah. with that had to do with but there was a lot more coverage of his downfall and granted it was a different reason for it than 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 carpenter well than yeah because he was a comptroller and he he was in this huge war on a number of issues with then mayor um vin shamel yeah i don't want to belabor the point because yeah. this we are talking about the recorder of deeds here but i i think it has been brought up and i i after reading a lot of coverage of past things not just vervis jones but other things I thought it would be worth at least bringing up because I don't know what I don't I don't want to be the final arbiter whether it's true or not. But I know that there are complaints about it being throughout the political black community. So but personally, I don't think this race is nearly as compelling about than the race that I wrote about this week between Representative Joshua Peters and uh, Chris Carter. This has bigger significance. I I think that race, while it is only a state house race for a Democratic seat, I think it is a much more interesting race and a more significant race for a number of reasons. First of all, the two candidates are, I think, very compelling in their own ways. Joshua Peters, I got the, the chance to talk with when he was first inaugurated and both on the record and off the cuff. And I can say with some certainty, he is one of the most impressive young legislators I have encountered in my eight years of reporting for various reasons. Not only do I think that he has the, you know, policy chops and the even in his 26 years of life, the political experience, but he's really overcome a lot of adversity to get to where he has today. I mean, he was homeless for a time with his family. Um, he grew up in a very violent neighborhood, and he, he managed to graduate from high school go to Lincoln University and work for Congressman Clay and in the Obama administration. By that same token, Chris Carter Sr. is also a very compelling candidate. His family has been around St. Louis politics for decades. Paula Carter, as I'm sure you know, Joe, since you dealt with her personally. I actually knew her. <laughs> was like, uh, like a, a pretty legendary figure within St. Louis politics. 
Um, apparently, she had a, a knack for candor and toughness yes, that she is did. kind of hasn't been seen in a while. Gregory Carter, his brother, was a longtime alderman and was a very well-known figure as well. And Chris Carter III, his son, is now an alderman and I would say for all intents and purposes has had a very successful political career himself. So you kind of have these two like compelling orbs that are clashing against each other personally. I mean, there's kind of been a lot of raucous back and forth about a whole bunch of different things. And then kind of in the background... It really does seem to be a proxy war in some respects between Lacey Clay, who a lot of the black political community rallied around two years ago to get reelected, and, you know, people who are kind of fed up with him. I mean, Chris Carter III and Chris Carter Sr. both told me that they are, are, are kind of fed up with the way Clay has this divide and conquer mentality of neutralizing political opposition and they're kind of joined by a bunch of aldermen, as well as Maria Chappelle Nadal, uh, University City State Democrat, Senator. who has clashed with Clay. As, as You can go back to the archives on our show and you right. can see it. Yeah. So I think that's by far the most interesting race for St. Louis City. I think recorder of deeds and license collectors are kind of interesting in a vacuum. But neither feature the compelling candidates or the kind of – you know, weighty proxy wars that are going yeah. on, so. and and what happens in the the Peter Cart the Peters Carter race could have long standing impact. It yeah. really could because it could, depending on who wins, it could either encourage a rival against Clay or it may tamp down. Yeah, and I mean it's hard to say who's going to pull it off because I I've I've talked with both candidates extensively. Peters is is going door to door furiously and. You know, he has the endorsement of AFL-CIO, which is not an insignificant deal. But I think the Carter family has only lost one election between the four of them, and that was when Paula Carter lost to Tom Villa in 1991. They've won elections left and right, and it's because they're able to combine a group of paid canvassers with this army of volunteers. So it really is kind of a battle between two pretty evenly matched candidates, and May the best man win. That's all I can say. And I, I've told at least Peters, and I also will tell Senior Chris Carter Sr., that whoever wins gets to be on the podcast. <laughs> what a, the highest – that's really the only reason that they would run, right? Absolutely. I mean, just well, for the high honor of, of being on the Politically Speaking podcast. Well, after, after the primary, I'm hoping that we'll have several of the key players on both sides in a number of the major races that we'll be, um, that we'll be looking at going into November. And um, we would like to say that while we put pictures on Facebook and do things to promote it, we would really ask the candidates, I'm not going to mention any names, to keep this stuff out of your campaign ads. Okay? We're neutral. We're not. We're non-biased. Can we just say what we're talking about or should we just not? Let's not. All right. We'll keep it to ourselves. But you know who you are and you did wrong. Um, talking about the the Peters race, you should definitely go on our site stlpublicradio.org and listen to Jason's story about that because that was really well done. Yes, it was, excellent, it was, well done. It was and, fun, and we have plenty of coverage of the county executives race. If you go onto our site and, and check that out, Joe's and been talking about pl- yes, and 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 Chris and Jason did a fabulous job with the videos of uh, the St. Louis County major party candidates talking on a number of issues. Please, uh, you can find it on the site, or you can type in. Um, the one of their names and video, and it'll come up. But really, 
We all were involved in that, but Chris and Jason did a lot of the tech work on it. it we were all involved. But to close this out here, um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at CSMcDaniel. Jason, you can be followed on Twitter. Jay Rosenbaum. Joe, you can be followed on Twitter. Jay Manis. It's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And we'll be back next week where we will, I assume, be discussing the results. Yes. We'll be back next week. Until then, so long. So long.